Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is July 26, 2015. It's a Sunday, and this is episode 132. My name is Jake English, and I'm here, as always, riding on the coattails of Mr. Scott Magnus. Now, if you're listening to my voice right now, you're most likely doing so at our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com, where we operate a blog and host the podcast. It's also possible that you found us on the Baltimore Sports Report Network, which you can find at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. Be sure while you're over there to check out all the great shows, including Baltimore Sports Today, which is BSR's daily podcast. And also tune in all season as we bring you BSR post game live Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, after the game. Scott and I are, are basically the regular appearance over there. You can find this show on third party platforms such as Stitcher. Uh, Miro, Double Twist, and if you really must, on iTunes. And if you do on any of those platforms, please make sure that you rate and review this show. It really helps get the word out. Lastly, you can find us all over social media, like we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash BEVcast. But the best way, where we're the most active, is on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. So, Scott, it's that time of the program where I ask you a very important question what is your drink of this week? Jake, my drink for the week is a Firestone Walker Easy Jack IPA, Session IPA. Pretty decent. I'm still going to go with the even keel over it, but not a bad not not a bad little Session IPA. All right, I'll take that. I myself am drinking a uh, a tall glass of water. I'm somewhat in recovery mode from uh some time down at the beach. So we're we're just taking this down before you, the work week. You had starts. some drinks uh over this weekend? One or one or two. Oh, one who two. who Pass them and pour them down your throat. Uh, nobody important. Okay. All right. Well, with that, let's go over to the twat this week on the Twitter. All right. Uh, first, we're going to go with a tweet from uh, Matt Kremenser, who, of course, tweets at Matt Kremenser, uh, the editor over there at Canon Depot. Make sure you're following him. I would much, much rather the Orioles win, he writes, but some of the comments when they're losing are just priceless. Look, it got really dark this week on Orioles Twitter really dark and by happenstance it seems like the twat is a little lacking this week in terms of content because really how many of you really want us to hear and read uh read tweets of just crying and moaning and you know just regular complaining so uh let's move on to the tweets that you know could actually be decent uh that at least have a funny spin to them i love the fact you just censored yourself so you wouldn't have to go back and edit it yes that's I did. perfect yes um so at least we can laugh at some misery uh this comes from uh the next one comes from JT Guaj. You can follow him at Guadzilla. Uh, and it says, so a quote from Dan Duquette, seller, I just met her. No, but seriously, we're sellers now, bird's eye view, B-A-L. Yeah, very well, very well done. We we enjoy that kind of uh, silly type of ridiculous humor. Um, good news, though, 
Um, ben McDonald's been on the radio broadcast for this past Tampa Bay series, and it's always good to hear him uh, with the color commentary as opposed to a Jim Hunter or even a Fred Manfra. He's I, really good at it. Yeah, he's really good at it. I really enjoy Mr. McDonald out there. But the one thing I thought was really cool was uh, Ben tweeted out, a treat catching up with former LSU baseball Tigers cat Kevin Gossman doing his thing in the show. Hashtag Orioles, hashtag forever LSU. I think that's pretty cool. It's one conversation I've wanted to have with him for a while of just kind of talking to him about approaches that he's seen since he's come from a similar collegiate background, uh, especially with uh, the use of the slider. Uh, uh, I should say Ben McDonald's use of the slider and the curveball during his career was what made him um, as great as he was. Didn't live up to that number one prospect, but still was a pretty good Major League Baseball pitcher. And I'd like to see what he thought about Kevin Gossman's slider, which has been a proverbial issue for Gossman in being able to stay up in the show. Lastly, we've got, well, Scott, we've got the Brian Roberts watch. What? It's 2012 all over again. The Brian Roberts watch is back. Here's a quote from Dan Connolly, who tweets at Dan Connolly's son. It was only a matter of time, he writes. Well-spoken former Oriole Brian Roberts will be making four appearances on MLB Network from Monday to Wednesday next week. Look, I'm going to have to have a little bit of an issue here with this one. All right, I'm listening. My issue with it is Dan went with well-spoken former Orioles Brian Roberts. If we know anything about MLB Network and we know anything about Harold Reynolds, you do not need to be well-spoken. In fact, it's it's not even preferred no i mean aaron boone and stuff like that eric burns eric burns yep i mean these are individuals that are out there are former players that just are not very good at speaking but they look very good for their age demographic so uh, if there's one thing that we should take out from this tweet it's uh good looking former oreo brian roberts (laughs) will be making four appearances on mlb network from monday through wednesday next week he's still got it he's still got it i do think it was but you know who really has it his wife diana roberts oh Baby. It's been a while. It has. It's been a while. It was only a matter of time. I've thought as soon as he was hurt to the point where he couldn't play that he had a career in mass and just waiting for him. Yeah. Apparently, he he decided not to go that direction. Well, he threw pinstripes on, so. <laughs> I, I refuse to I refuse to even think Forever tainted. But, you know, we also have a comeback this week for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, a lifelong Orioles player is coming back, but again, putting on another uniform let's talk about the dirty details Jake, after a nine-year career in Baltimore, Nick Markakis is returning to Baltimore this week to play for the Atlanta Braves. It promises to be an emotional one uh, for Baltimore fans. Um, You know, we had a similar situation happen in 2014 with the return of Brian Roberts with the Yankees. However, this one feels a little bit different because Orioles fans had really already said goodbye to B-Rob so many times, and he hadn't had a full season since 2009. 
Um, Bird's Eye View, in this instance, has altered their entire recording schedule just to allow both of us to go to the game tomorrow night to pay, I guess, our homage to a certain regard uh, to him. Uh, so let's go through the numbers really quickly for Marcakis with the Orioles. He is 10th most at-bats in team history at, with 5,331. 7th most hits in team history with 1,547. 8th most in total bases, 2,318. 7th most doubles. And 10th with most runs created, 838. Um, those are some impressive numbers, definitely along the Pantheon. Definitely Mike Marcakis will get into that Orioles Hall of Fame. I, I guess the question, Jake, is... Uh, and it's really the forty 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 four million dollar question this year has to be: Should the Nick Mark or should the Orioles uh, have brought Nick Markikis back for this year? Well, I mean, I think it's kind of a loaded question, particularly because Orioles fans can look at the corner outfield spots and say, "Boy, Nick Markikis would would look sure. really great there." And the problem there is that part of part of that is looking at Nick Markikis's numbers versus our corner outfielder spots, and part of it is remembering the old good times of Nick Markakis. I think that the the real answer is the Orioles should have either re-signed Nick Markakis or come up with a real solution for the outfield. And they instead did neither. They hoped that Travis Snyder and Alejandro Diaz and, you know, and, and, and would work out. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. Now, the one big thing that people have posted on various things with Nick Markakis is, his uh, production with his power, again, has not been there this year. He only has one home run on the season. But again, a lot of doubles again this season, 22 doubles on the season. Jake, just his slash line, uh, last year with the Orioles was 276, 342, 386 for a 106 weighted runs created plus for the 2014 Orioles. This year with the Braves, 286, 368, and 359, 107 weighted runs created plus for the Braves. Um, very similar numbers all things considering. So I think your question then could be restated as, is Nick Markakis an about league average player with weighted, weighted runs created plus worth $10 million a year for four years and change? And or how good would that look in front of Manny Machado? Right. Uh, I, I think, you know, if you're looking at it from a four-year standpoint, I still think it's a terrible deal. And I think it's also good that the Orioles didn't pick it up. But the question I would come back, and this has kind of been bantered about, and we talk about this uh, last offseason uh, with that qualifying offer and whether the Orioles should offer him a qualifying offer or not. And I think the opinion at this time when we were talking about Bird's Eye View is like, no, it's time to move on. You know, it's great that this happened, but let's work on a long-term contract that is satisfactory. Let's not pay uh, $17.5 million to Nick Markakis for one season. And, you know, I'm still not sure if I would have been willing to pay $17 million to Nick Markakis for the one season based off of that production. Um, but... If they would have offered it and he would have rejected it, the Orioles would have gotten a draft pick because of the qualifying offer. Jake, did the Orioles make a mistake here by not offering him that qualifying offer? Well, I I would argue no. Um, and I, I also wonder if the qualifying offer bit was actually part of the negotiations. Because mm. remember, the final figure, which ended up being, what, four for $44 million, was three for thirty and change at one point. Um, And so I wonder if that was part of the negotiation process. You know, we'd like to work out a deal with you. We won't put that. You can't sign anywhere else tag of the qualifying offer on you, that kind of thing. I'm purely speculating here, but we're going to get into the situation now with the draft picks being so important for all teams in major league baseball, where I wonder if that will be a, a negotiating chip, but you know, we went back at this point, uh, when when this was going on in the offseason, and in my heart, I would have been fine 
with the Orioles bringing back Nick Marquez, even if he did not reach the value of that contract. Yeah. But from a dispassionate looking at the X's and O's, looking at the player, the age, the money, I'm okay with them passing on it. However, as a as a you know diehard Orioles fan, as a guy who really enjoyed watching Nick Marquez play, it's a lot harder to swallow when the Orioles then don't go out and do anything to replace that. The biggest thing is you're probably going to get with one more year some pretty average production. And like you pointed out, the outfield solutions that they came up with have not panned out this year. In aspect, what they were, were lottery tickets. And unfortunately this year, none of those lottery tickets paid off. But for a team that wanted to be out of playoff contention, uh, the question would have been, do you really just want an, a league average outfielder? Or do you want a lottery ticket just kind of like you had in 2014 with Steve Pierce and Nelson Cruz and see if you can again hit the lottery again? The Orioles, I think, try to do that lottery approach again, just like they did in 2014. Unfortunately, it hasn't panned out. Yeah, they were looking for another Nate McLeod with Travis Snyder, and it just didn't happen. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I absolutely hear that. And I think what I'm hearing from you is, again, that's probably an okay uh, plan to have as long as Nick Marquez is going to cost $44 million. Yeah, yeah like I said, it was, a, it was a good effort, good try, but you failed. So we're going to hound you about it. Let, let me ask you this question. Yeah. I mean, is it a dumb question to ask how he will be received in his first at bat at Camden Yards? Uh, if anybody boos him, I will f- immediately be thrown out of the stadium because <laughs> I will be going into fisticuffs mode. The most important question really is, and this is a, a taboo, at least in my opinion, for uh, us, and it has to come back to fashion because we here at Bird's Eye View always like to discuss fashion. So, Jake, Sports aesthetics is important to us. So, Jake, you're going to be in the press box, so you cannot be part of this fashion but jake i'm going to be in the stands specifically in the upper deck and i have a plan to wear my nick marcakis jersey to the stadium any issues with that not at all okay not at all i mean he was a great oriole he was a great oriole for nine years he was the best we had for many of those terrible years right yeah absolutely remember him well with that jersey but even though he's playing for another team against the team that you're rooting for. Oh, absolutely. And th- this actually was was a, something we discussed with our good friends at the Baltimoreans, yes. another fantastic sister wife podcast on the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Um, but uh, Alan asked if it was okay to wear his Jeremy Guthrie jersey to a playoff game what? between when did that the happen? Orioles and the Royals, do you not recall that series? No, I don't Have recall. You blocked the, that out of your I don't memory? recall the series occurring. <laughs> I must be mistaken. Yes. It must be mistaken. But I, I think to the I larger... I think if we would have heard that, though, we would have said, you can go ahead and do that because, you know, it's Jeremy Guthrie. And, you know, there was no chance in the world that Jeremy Guthrie would have came in and won a game within Cannon Yards. So, I mean, it had been okay for us to, you know, say, you can wear a jersey of somebody that, you know, we're obviously not going to get swept during this series. <laughs> All right, this is going down a dark path. <laughs> You know, Brian Roberts came back uh, in his first game at Camden Yards. I believe he hit a home run for, yeah. for the Yankees uh, that night, which was, you know, that left a sour taste in my mouth. Uh, I hope that Nick Marcakis has a good game in a loss Yeah, for, for the Braves. But regardless, I'm going to be cheering on Nick Marcakis, and I understand that uh, he's not on the Orioles anymore. But, you know, taking the business side apart, he's still going to always be here in my heart. So... This is one that's for you, Nick. Um, we do need to address the situation going forward with the outfield and various other positions on this team, whether or not we're going to um, look for that bat to solidify the outfield, or maybe we just say, eh, screw it, let's just burn it all down. Let's go talk to two individuals that uh, 
are disagreeing pretty strongly on the approach the Orioles need to take. Understand me now. Sometimes I feel a little mad. But don't you know that no one alive can always be an angel? When things go wrong, I seem to be bad. I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. Scott, this may surprise you, but um, I actually don't understand. What's going on here? The Orioles are in this very weird place right now, and there's a lot of noise in the fan base. Uh, the, the discussion comes down to buy or sell. Is this team going to go further? Is it not? Are we at a place where we need to dump talent and look to the future? It's almost as confusing as that ending scene in Training Spaces about trading the orange juice. It's like, what the heck is going on here? But I guess everything works out at the end. It's, uh, yeah, it's just like that. Just like that, yeah. But hey, we, we have some folks that have this discussion a lot. They're always considering where the Orioles are, and they've got good ideas about how to go, how to go forward. So uh, we've asked for the help of Jabby Burns and Zach Wilt of Baltimore Sports Today, a sister-wife podcast over the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Uh, we brought them in to have a discussion. Um, so, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on Bird's Eye View. Thank you guys. Yeah, we couldn't be happier to be here. We actually have people listening, which is also a good time. And anytime the animals get brought in, I'm a big fan. All right. So first and most most important question coming into this interview, guys, what's your drink of the week? Uh, My... This is so terrible. This is easy for me, actually. So that I can <laughs> well, on- you go first because you're way more exciting than me. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I just know what yours is, and it rhymes with botter. Uh, I'm probably with uh, Tito's and lemonade. That's usually uh, okay. the drink of choice for your boy. Now, over the weekend, boys, I got I'm getting my beer game up a little bit. A flying Dog IPA, and also I'm a huge fan right now. And as you guys are tired of the uh, posts and the constant texts and slack parties that i send on the um ballast point yep. grapefruit as well um that is just and again i'm a san diego you know pride there but that beer is outstanding now zach tell everybody what you're drinking there That's that solid. Yeah, i am uh so so at least it's a little bit fancy because i just got this awesome new bottle that i'm drinking my water out of and and it's made out of glass. All right, that's wow. that's that's boring. Let's go back to talk water bottle. Yeah, let's go back to talk yeah. about Bayless Point and uh, Jabby. I gotta let you know the even keel that you recommended to me. Absolute yes. winner! Congratulations, bueno. bueno. Well done. It's probably the only good thing that has entered my lips from San Diego. So, <sighs> wow, you! I need to take you some more places there, my friend. Uh, huh? San Diego can be really good for the lips, but that's for another podcast for another time. But I, I will tell you this. I'm not a beer guy, as Zach is, you know, everybody likes to make fun of me because I do kind of stick in my box when it comes to the Tito's. And I don't know how we don't have, I don't even know how banners aren't being run on all of our websites from Tito's with the props I give to them. But <laughs> my beer game has came of, has come up tremendously. And I've even had some beers with your boy, Jake, who I know likes to throw them back once in a while. All right. So I want to get into a topic that you guys have covered on Baltimore Sports Today. Um, and it was when you guys first came out of the All-Star break, you guys had a discussion about the impending trade deadline. And uh, well, one of you was a little bit on the negative side in terms of saying, you know, going into this road trip would determine what the Orioles should do. And, you know, the question was raised of if they come out and they're, you know, below 500 after this road trip, they really should be sellers. And uh, Jabby, I'm, I'm looking at you directly. Jake, Jabby, now that we've left this road trip and the Orioles still sit at below 500, what should they be doing going into this week? 
uh, I still think they should sell. I don't know why this whole idea that this team who's sitting 48 and 49 with 65 games to go is going to all of a sudden outside of that 17 and five heater playing the Phillies and some other drags of um, MLB think that they're all of a sudden going to turn it around and let's just say go, I don't know, let's say 40 and 25, or is this team more of like 38 and 27, you know, the rest of the way, I'm not sure. But when it comes to buying and selling guys, I, what what are you selling to another team that's going to get you something that's going to help this team? That would be my question, I guess. And I hate answering questions with questions, but that's the reason why I think that the Orioles need to be more of a seller. Plus, I feel like there's so many chips out there. And if you saw what Johnny Cueto got, by the way, you know, the Kansas City trade, I think that's an outstanding deal for the Reds because I'm not a big Cueto guy. I think Cueto kind of shuts down in the playoffs. I think he's an outstanding you know, pitcher during the season, but you saw what happened in Pittsburgh a couple years ago is when he couldn't even pick the ball up because he was so nervous and they were chanting Cueto. Brandon Finnegan, a left-hander who's going that way. I just feel like there's prospects to be had, and with the 29th-ranked farm system that the Orioles have right now and with their two top prospects, let's call them top prospects, and Hunter Harvey and Dylan Bundy, both shelf basically, what makes me think that adding some te- some pieces to that farm system can't help with some of the guys in Chen, Weeders, or Davis? Well, let me let me respond to you by answering our question with a question by answering another question, giving you another question. Yes. <laughs> um, when you say that they should be selling for help, I mean I'm going to assume that you're talking about help down the line, basically close up shop for 2015 and start building toward 2016 and onward. Correct. Yeah, I mean, in, in that way, I mean, if if you're going to do that, I don't want to go half-ass it. I don't want to just kind of move Chen and you recoup some guys unless you think you can keep Davis. I still think there's an outside shot. Chris Davis is an Oriole next year, um, you know, regardless if he gets traded at the deadline, which you know could have happened, almost happened over the weekend. I don't know. Is there going to be a really big upgrade that's going to really help this team with runners and scoring position? I just don't see it out there on the open market where the Orioles can get it. So to answer your question, yes, I think you need to recoup, get some of the things back. I still think this team, outside my partner, Zach, who I'd love for him to chime in here, thinks that this team kind of is is bare, will be next year. I, I kind of feel a little different just because of the centerpieces that are here with the team. And so I would say, yeah, go ahead and close up shop, get rid of what you can for those guys. And I still think you could turn it around pretty quickly. You know, the beauty of disagreeing with Jab is that sometimes he makes your point for you. Uh, I, want, I want to go back to something Jab said in, in his point where he said, what do the Orioles have to sell? And, uh, and, and that's the point I'd, I'd like to circle here. What do they have to sell? Uh, I don't know. What, what is their, their most valuable trade piece? I, I know we think Wei and Chen has a lot of value as a, as a lefty at the deadline, and we look at what Johnny Cueto has, but I, I can assure you Johnny Cueto's value, despite what happened in Pittsburgh a couple years ago, is dramatically higher than Wei and Chen's value. Totally. Right yeah. I think yeah. Darren O'Day has more value uh, like right now than, than probably Wei and Chen does. Um, and, and that to me, it that along with the fact that I look at the standings and see the Orioles as three and a half games out of the American League and say there's just no possible way they can do that. I, I, I am less optimistic than Jab about what the Orioles are going to be next year and next couple years. Um, I, I, I think that, uh, that, that the window closes this year, uh, I, I think, you know, unless the Orioles stumble upon uh, some money that, that they've never discovered in the history of the franchise, I don't see how they're going to be even in the spot that they're in right now uh, this time in, in 2016. So for that reason, for the reason that the, the American League is just totally 
totally up for grabs this year, I say you, you got to go for it. No matter, no matter how ugly it's going to be, it might be slightly more ugly next year uh, than it is, you know, if, if they, if they try to move some of these pieces, but I don't think that, uh, that they're going to have the chance next year. So you got to do it. You got to go for it. All right. Everyone knows that I like to throw out the numbers. So the one interesting thing I want to bring up is currently there are only five teams in the American league above 500. Everyone else is below 500. And even with the Orioles record right now of one game below 500, Fangraphs is currently projecting that the Orioles have the fifth best playoff odds in the American League at 34.2%. It's just slightly in front of the Twins, who currently have one of those wild card spots, and is behind the Blue Jays in the division, who have a 58.2% playoff odds. Uh, You know, we've made fun of these numbers in the past uh, few years because the Orioles have always kind of been overlooked to a certain regard. But in this, you know, era of mediocrity, which is 2015, the American League, um, I, I kind of have to come back and ask Jabby what Jack just brought up is uh, with this much mediocrity, why couldn't a, a team get hot and get that wild card spot? Maybe the division is out of line, but is the wild card really that out of uh, out of the question? Not not at all. And, and again, I'm not. Because I tick aside and say that I think that I think that the team shall, should sell more for um, down the line purposes next year and years beyond. That doesn't mean that I don't think that this team, if if they stay together or if they add a piece here or a little bit of piece there, they can't contend and win the whether it's the wild card or the East. My, my contention is this: is this team that you've all seen now for a hundred games? I know it's ninety-seven. Let's just call it a hundred games. Is this team in in all of your eyes there? In all your guys' eyes there? Is this team a team that you think can not only make the playoffs? Because at this point, the Orioles aren't a team now, in my opinion, at least that are just about making the playoffs just to kind of make the fan base happy and, you know, add it to, to Buck's resume here in Baltimore and Duquette's resume here in Baltimore, getting teams to the playoffs. Or is this team a team now that you look at that's one that hasn't won a division, has won a division playoff series and got to an ALCS? Are they more on that line of things? Can this team that you guys can see constructed this year win that kind of series? Well, I, I think we've got to come back and I went back and thought about this from last year. Uh, and I remember, Right at the trade deadline, when the Royals were struggling, I said to myself, the Royals should be sellers going into this trade deadline. You know, they're right around 500. You know, they should go out and get some big pieces because that team is really good. They should be trading players like James Shields and going and getting significant prospects in return. And, and lo and behold, at the same time last year, Kansas City was three and a half games back in the wild card race. Of course, we know they went and got that second wild card spot, and they went all the way to Game Seven of the World Series. Yeah. Now that's a you know a miraculous comeback, and it doesn't happen every single year. But I think any single baseball expert would go out there and say, is as long as you can get in the playoffs, it's anybody's chance, and anyone has a shot. It certainly helps to have you know aces and stuff like that. But as we saw with the Orioles in the Detroit series, just by having all those aces in your rotation doesn't guarantee playoff success it certainly helps but doesn't always guarantee playoff success so zach you you keep talking well we've all been talking about mediocrity and i think that's a good word for what the orioles are right now what the ale what the al is right now um but you know over in the nfl they call that parody you know it's the same same type of thing that's described and you know jab's question about uh well what happens if they were to get in the playoffs you know does this look like a team that's built to compete there Buck always says, you know, that there are four distinct seasons. There is uh, pre, you know, there's a spring training. There's the regular season. There's September baseball. God awful thing called September baseball. <laughs> I believe it was the, the quote. And then, and then there, there's the playoffs. I think that the, this second season is going to be changing 
with this with the advent of the second wild card. I, I think that the second season is going to be unlike uh, in the next few years what we've seen it in the in the last few. And, and I wonder if we're going to have to change the way we think about baseball and shift more into a a football or if you watch other minor sports uh, mentality because the playoffs is an, is so far expanded that not great teams are now allowed to compete and well, I mean, and may in fact advance you're absolutely right i mean that's exactly how the charters get in the playoffs every single year so <laughs> how dare you how dare you it's hard to get in the playoffs when you're eight and eight or nine and seven <laughs> i'm totally with you by the way I, I guess the nfl you know markets itself better than uh than, than any other league because you're right the parody word is the one that continues to get used and you know, and last year's World Series was a perfect example of that. And the thing that I continue to point to with the Orioles here being three and a half back of the wild card is, yes, things do not look tremendous right now. I understand they're a game under 500. Very, very ugly series up in New York. I know how the team's playing. I'm very much aware how bad they've been with. Uh, painfully aware. You're painfully aware. I am pain. I have Twitter. I I know what's going on. <laughs> with that said, I I still you know, could see a scenario where for a few weeks in October, these guys click together and, and we're talking here in, 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 you know, the late fall about, holy crap, I can't believe they were here. We were talking to the deadline about how they should have blown it up. Just like Scott was saying with the Royals last year. I, I totally think that's possible. And to give up on that, to try to maybe get back to this point next year, when I really don't think they're going to be, I think would be the wrong move. Let me ask you another perspective question. Is it possible that this fan base who's dealt with now three uh, winning seasons and a crap ton of losing seasons beforehand doesn't know how to deal with a mediocre team? Is it possible that we know how to deal with the winning and we like that and we're very familiar with the other side when they're terrible and there is no hope? Is is it possible that right now the fan base is just freaking out because being simply eh, okay you know, a game under 500 at this point in the season. It's just not something we're familiar with. I think the past three years maybe have blocked out the previous decade and a half. Not for that us. That combined <laughs> with the fact that I think the Orioles have a lot more fans now than they did, yeah. uh, you know, 15 years ago. I think there are a lot of fans now who have followed baseball very closely over the past three years and not necessarily, you know, when they were 20 games out in uh, at the trade deadline. You know, like like the three of us uh, were very, very used to. So I think there's a lot of impatience there. I, I remember seeing similar things, you know, after 2000 with the Ravens where uh, the fan base was huge and enormous. And it was people that, that didn't know how difficult it was to, to do what the Ravens had just done. And I think you're, you're seeing quite a bit of that uh, on the baseball side of things now in Baltimore, too. All right. So here's my question. We're going to come to a resolution after this because we've got a butting of heads to a certain regard. So. What if the Orioles come together and they say, we want to be buyers and sellers at the trade deadline? So what I'm going to ask both of you to do is pick what you would sell or what you would buy. So since Jabby wants to be a seller, my question to Jabby would be, Jabby, who would you be willing to buy to make this team better? And to Zach, I'm going to ask you, who did you have to, who would you be willing to sell in order to keep this team still competitive? I'm a big it's, – it, it's almost impossible for it to happen. But I would love to see um, a Jay Bruce type 
player. And I know it's impossible with our prospects and unless somehow we get, you know, one of these big three involved here. And I don't think the Reds are obviously doing that, but they're obviously in sell mode. Um, I'm interested in Jay Bruce. I'm interested in Jay Bruce at Camden Yards. I'm interested in really shoring up a position that I feel like still to this day, as we're talking, has not been shored up since the, the loss of, you know, and, and as we're talking about Nick Marquez coming back into town um, since he, he has left, not just his production, not just his off the field stuff, all the other things, but just somebody that he, that Buck can plug in every single day in right field. I feel like that's something that the Orioles haven't had, whether it's in left field, whether it's in right field. And honestly, it hasn't even been at first base at this point. I feel like there's three positions, but I feel like if you could really get a legit corner outfielder, I'm an interested even in, in the kid in Milwaukee para. I'm a very big fan of, uh, of him as well. But, um, that that's where I think that that's bigger. That's bigger to me than getting a left-handed guy. I will say this: I totally agree with Zach on, on the O'Day deal, and I have a deal that I would love to send to the Nats for O'Day because I'll tell you this: I love Darren O'Day more than anything. I think he's an outstanding player, but his value is as high as it's ever going to be in his career. And to, for the Orioles, maybe to make a minor move without quote unquote giving up or being sellers, I think they could really help the farm system in a small way with making a deal with a team that is loaded with prospects in the Nats. I really like the O'Day idea from Zach. All right. So, Zach, are you willing to trade Darren O'Day away and still try to be competitive? Do you think the Orioles can actually do that? No, I don't. And I appreciate my uh, my BST partner there complimenting uh, my my previous comment. But you can't give up Darren O'Day and still be competitive and, and hope to uh, win tight games in October. I'm sorry. I, I could cop out and give you the Bud Norris answer. But I'll go a little more extreme. And I think that, uh, Scott, you may have pointed this out, that the production that we've seen from Caleb Joseph uh, really, I guess after the All-Star break, has been similar to what we've seen offensively from Matt Wieters. So how about Matt Wieters? I, I will let the Orioles part with Matt Wieters if they're going to add a major league piece that could help them uh, you know, make it into October and hopefully win some some postseason games. He's got a bad back anyway now, so he's off the trading block. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, I guess I don't have a real answer. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, question for you both. Um, we talk about buying and selling. The way the team has uh, performed thus far is the is the margin of error so small that selling one component of the team basically means that you should go ahead and just sell everything off that you can. Ooh, that's a good question. I, I will. I, I'll take this back real quick here. Yep. I I don't think. It's it's interesting because I still think this team can compete if they were to move, like I said, either uh, O'Day, which you know, again, I, I think O'Day is outstanding. I'm not trying to you know minimize his value, but Jake, I do believe that they still can kind of compete if they were to move one of these guys. I do think Chen, for some reason, I'll go back to that. I think that they haven't they have enough faith. In, you know, whether it's Tyler Wilson, whether it's a McFarland, or whether they go out and make a minor deal to get a pitcher that maybe isn't way in chin, but been able to kind of fill that, that rotation spot. That's a guy that, in my opinion, will help recruit some guys, but then still gives you a chance to kind of go forward because I admit I'm a big fan of everyday players. So to me, um, I'd rather move Chen because his value is higher, and I feel like with Davis and Weeders, you, you keep those guys. They'll go to they'll go to free agency. Maybe you keep one. Maybe you keep none of them. But I just feel like with Chen, I know he's leaving. I think that there's not even a close to a chance that he's he's resigning here in Baltimore. So I just feel like he's got the highest value. And if I'm going to move one guy, and I still think I can compete, it would be Chen. How about you, Zach? Are you willing to uh, claim Jenga on this one? Uh, you know, I, I mean, 
I I feel like if you're if you're gonna move, uh, you know, I I think Matt Wieters is more expendable than than Chris Davis is. But honestly, I think if you're gonna move one of those guys, then you should just go into sell mode because I I think kind of messing with the balance of this lineup or trying to find productivity that's gonna replace either one of those two guys is gonna be is gonna be too difficult, and and you should commit to one side or the other. So. Um, yeah, especially with Chen, I I think I agree with Jab that I don't, I don't think there's a chance that Chen's going to come back. He's going to, he's going to be paid handsomely on the free agent market, but you remove him from that rotation. And and I think you, you might as well go into sell mode because, uh, you know, we've seen Chris Tillman pitch better in the second half, but Ibaldo Jimenez has kind of replaced Tillman in the second half so far. Um, you know, Miguel Gonzalez is Miguel Gonzalez and we're trying to figure out what Kevin Gossman is. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it, I think you gotta go one way or the other. It's it's a tough tightrope to walk and and expect to you know kind of have your cake and eat it too there in the uh, buy sell trying trying to uh, compete again in 2016. So I I would like to see them pick one side or the other. So gentlemen, what I'm hearing is that it's not a question that can be answered with a soundbite or maybe 140 characters of arrogant wisdom. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Or, or even the wisdom of uh, of the two Bev brains to uh, to to try to get Jab and I to completely agree on this one. I think it's going to come <laughs> down to the thirty first of, of July until we finally have a decision made, and then then maybe we can agree on it. I, I will I will just kind of piggyback on my buddy, which sounds weird. I, I will tell you this: <laughs> I think that the Orioles can still make a run. I, I don't want to be kind of pigeonholed into this. You know, I'm I'm this this big hater that thinks that they should just sell. This team's terrible. I, I I disagree. I think the team. I said going into that trip, two and seven. You know, three and six at the, the worst. Team went four and five on the trip. I mean, listen, they battled their tail off. They had a tough time tough time in New York. I think they got a pretty nice schedule kind of <clears throat> um, coming up here the next week with you know a light hitting team a lot of lefties in that in Atlanta and then a team that who knows what Detroit's going to look like by the 31st by next Friday um, as they come into town too because they could be dismantled as well so hopefully we can miss price uh if they go five and two on this trip all of a sudden you know things are going to change that's what's great about baseball that's the reason why we're into it but if if you're just asking me and you're pinning me down and and I have to kind of stick to where I thought before I think this team needs to move some of these pieces and really think about the fact that you know Maybe when all these guys are gone and we look back, we could have got kind of recouped it because if you keep looking at some of these systems and Jake, you brought it up about some other of these teams. I mean, there's a reason why the Cardinals continue to crank out guys and continue to bring up guys. And you're like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Didn't they lose their best pitcher? Didn't they lose their first baseman? And they continue to win. It's because they have the system. And I feel like the Orioles need to kind of kind of get back to that. That's the one thing I would say. Well, here we have it. It's a discussion that will be sure to go on in Birdland, but I also suspect that it will go on on Baltimore Sports today. Uh, Zach, can you tell us what's going to happen this week on uh, BST as well as over at uh, Baltimore Sports Report? Uh, Jab and I are going to continue to argue about this point. I I can assure you of that. We're going to talk about the importance of this week for the Orioles and preview those series. I I can tell you that, and we're going to try to break down some latest hot takes from Wei Yin Chen and, and discuss why uh, why it seems like he desperately wants out of Baltimore. So we'll, oh, we'll talk plenty hot. about that as well, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure, and we will be sure to check you out daily on Baltimore Sports Today. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. And I just
Scotty, this is turning into quite a tight race for Fantasy Boss this year. Yeah, we're basically playing around a 500 average. Mm. Nah, uh, one of us should start selling. Yeah. In, in past years, it was an absolute beat down on one side, and the next year it was an absolute beat down on the other side. I like this. Every week, we've got a chance. Last week, uh, this the stat was whip, um, and we actually picked good players, which we had been a little off. Uh, I went with Miguel Gonzalez, whose whip was 0.65. You took Tillman, who was at 0.71. So again, I got the edge, but I feel like we're both in a good zone here. I think Miggy and Tillman both had quality starts this week. Uh, we also picked the advantage of going against Tampa Bay, uh, but still good on us, I guess. All right. So this week it's going to be difficult. Okay. It's going to be difficult because I've picked a stat that focuses in an area of weakness for the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, okay. We're going to go with average with runners in scoring position. Uh, of course. Of course. So we're going to go with a completely arbitrary and lucky stat. Gotcha. Hey, this, this is me talking. Yeah. Question is, do I just pick somebody that's not going to get in the game so it's completely <laughs> null and void? Uh, all right. Uh, if we're going to pick that with the individual now moving down in the lineup, I'm going to go with Manny Machado. I think that's a good answer. I'm going to go with Caleb Joseph. All right. And that's an interesting one, especially with the situation now with Matt Wieters potentially being hurt uh, with a back injury. We may be seeing a little bit more Caleb Joseph. And it feels like Caleb Joseph may be turning it on as of recently. But I guess we'll have to see what happens. I don't know. It'd be interesting. That's an interesting one for you. So we will find out who owned it. Uh, I'd pick Manny Machado. Jake, you pick Caleb Joseph. And with that... Let's find out who owned it this past week with the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm actually going to start off this week a little differently. Uh, we're going to start with the good. I'm going with Miguel Gonzalez. Jake, your winner from Fantasy Boss. Two games started this past week, 12 and two-thirds of an inning pitched. Um, not a great strikeout per nine at 6.39, but the ability to strand runners at 86.2% may be a little bit on the lucky side. But the Orioles need some of that luck right now going into the second half of the season. Miguel Gonzalez... I had a big issue with him uh, over multiple starts. He's starting to turn the curve, just like Chris Tillman has in the second half. I like what I'm seeing out of both of them. But again, Miguel Gonzalez gets the tip of the cap from me. Well done, sir. You must have just been judging him on track record. Uh, yes, exactly. All right, my good for this week is going to Chris Davis. Davis had a good week. He was a 7 for 23, drove in seven runs. He uh, he did strike out seven times against only two walks. He, of course, hit those three home runs, two doubles. 
it's nice to see him bump that average up a little bit, and especially a slug. So a, a good week for Davis. The Grand Slam really made it. The other home runs that he had were more just dong teases basically yeah one was too little too late yeah and, uh, i hear that but yeah but the yeah. grand slam was nice on saturday night so that definitely i i'll get that major props i mean that broke that game open and it was exactly what the orioles needed to break out of the funk uh which was friday night i also feel like this is a player chris davis that needs to build on good weeks like this yep totally agree all right going to my bad for the week it's gonna have to go to kevin gossman for as much hope and promise that we had of saying you know we're gonna have kevin gossman for the second half of the season but norse of the rotation things are looking up for the rotation kevin gossman hasn't been dominant the command has been of issue as of recently and it just doesn't look like he is the dominant pitcher that we were expecting uh, i'm still expecting big things out of kevin gossman during the second half of the season but he certainly hasn't wowed me, and that is of concern to me. So, Kevin Gossman, you're bad this week. All right, my bad for this week is trade speculation. Okay. Please. We just talked about it for like 20 minutes, so. Orioles fans, <laughs> when you see names attached to the Orioles, do not put any faith in it. There is absolutely nothing that's going to come out of the local beat that is anywhere near accurate because of the way that the team does business. Mm-hmm. The national media is more often right, but I promise they do this like a mad lib. There is absolutely no way that you can get your heart set on a player just because you hear that they've been attached to the Orioles in some report, and by that we usually mean a tweet. Trade speculation is irritating. It gets my bad this week. All right, my ugly for the week is an obvious one. It's got to go to Jimmy Paredes, who in 17 plate appearances, Jake, had a 64.7% K rate. Ouch. Uh, you know, average-wise, 0.176, on-base percentage, 0.176. But again, that K percentage is just gosh awful. And there's no way that Jimmy Paredes can continue to be high up in the order with that kind of strikeout percentage. Jake, I'll be interesting to see if that strikeout percentage continues because maybe we're not in discussion so much about Chris Parmley being left off this team. But Jimmy Paredes was being mentioned in certain breaths of saying maybe he needs to get off this team because he can't play in the field. If that's the case, I'll be interested to see if Jimmy Paredes can rebound. If not, he's going to be out here pretty quickly. It'll be a man without a position, including the bench. Right, exactly. All right, for me, the ugly is Abaldo Jimenez. Abaldo Jimenez this week had a single appearance. He he, uh, racked up a loss, if that means anything. 2.1 innings pitched with seven earned runs. And look, by itself, I might be able to give him a pass. But the reason that Abaldo Jimenez is my ugly this week is that Abaldo Jimenez, I think, is a player that the Orioles are going to need to depend on if they are going to be able to break out of skids like the ones they've hit right now. In his last three games, innings pitched for Abaldo Jimenez, 5, 4.2, and the 2.1. And the problem with that is, is that the number of earned runs is skyrocketing seven earned runs in each of the last two starts baldo jimenez is vital because the difference between the the uh, month of june when, when the orioles were good and all of 2014 is that they were getting value in the positive yeah. from baldo jimenez if he continues to do this it's going to be tough for the orioles to overcome another hole in the rotation yeah great point two things that pop out of me from the second half is Propensity to give up the long ball, huge issue. Um, but it was really interesting 
That game this week was against the Yankees. It was that last game in the series. The Orioles absolutely needed that win in order to probably stay competitive in the division for the rest of the season. And you couldn't even get out of the first inning without destroying. And it was interesting, too, because they had it up to two outs at one point. And it was like, oh, we're so close, we're so close. And then it was disaster, and it just further escalated from there. Um, yeah, it was just just a really bad performance by him. And even Buck basically said, you know, we had a good bullpen thing, but Jimenez obviously struggled. And it's just like, yeah, he, he got put in the doghouse there for a little bit. So good call on the ugly, Jake. Well done. It happens every once in a while. Yeah. All right, blowing the save. You want to go ahead and take this one, Jake? Yeah, I'm going to blow the save uh, this week with something, you know, we just talked about basically, is it time to buy or sell? Is the season over? What What's going on here? One thing that I've failed to notice until very recently was that all might not be doom and gloom with the Orioles' upcoming schedule. I would, in fact, go as far as to call it soft. Now, I'm sure everybody is circling the Orioles on their calendars right now with the way that the Orioles are playing, but the Orioles have very winnable series coming up and in August, and I think that it is not it is not out of the realm of possibility that the Orioles will climb, you know, a couple games over 500, make themselves very relevant in that wild card race, and you never know what will happen with the division. One thing that I have found myself trying to to do this season is to live less in the moment and think long term. It was brutal in April and May for me because I was living game to game to game to game, which, you know, even though I told myself not to, I'm trying not to get too low or too high based on how the Orioles do. The one thing that we'll see, though, is that the difference between the good teams of the last couple years and the terrible teams of the dark period is that the good teams didn't allow a losing of 11 of 13 or 15 of 19 or whatever it is. And now that that's happened here, the question is, can they right the ship or does one losing skid turning to another and another yep. and another? And that, again, is dark period vintage Orioles baseball. Yeah. So here we are. This is this is a test because it's soft. I Like I said, I totally agree with you, Jake. A little bit of a soft schedule, but again, you're playing a lot of American League opponents. We talked about this during the BSR discussion. You only have five teams that are over 500 right now. Jake, if I'm circling a date on my schedule right now, it's got to be August 20th. Home series versus the Twins, four games. I think it's going to be huge going into that series to be close to the Twins. I think it's your final ability to push past them and establish yourself as a wild card contender for the rest of the season. Big, big time. But again, all the series are going to be big now. But I'd say put yourself in good position by August 20th. If you do so, you're in good shape for a September run. All right. Well, from your lips to God's ears, hopefully that'll happen. Well, with that, Jake, I think that uh, basically closes out the show. Not quite yet. You need to remind us about the Birdland Bash. Oh, that's right. So uh, this upcoming Sunday, August 2nd, Birdland Bash. You can check out the information at the top of birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. But we'll be at uh, Solo Gibbs Field uh, from 9.30 to 12 o'clock playing some softball. Everyone's invited to come out, any talent level. Uh, You don't need to be media. You just can be listeners to the show. We encourage everyone to come out. Uh, Bring your friends. Bring your wives. Bring anybody. Just bring a bring a glove that's all we're asking we'll have a few extra gloves but bring a glove just to help us out um with that jake i've got nothing left baltimore and beyond i bid you a fond adieu adieu good night baltimore be safe out there and let's go o's
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Oh.